0: Welcome. It's really good to see you all here for the uh, course advising panel for the spring. And we have three wonderful faculty members who are here to uh, dispense advice. And I will, I'm will i going to introduce them briefly, not your usual introduction, but just to give you a sense of maybe where they're each coming from, uh, given their backgrounds. And then I'll give you a little bit of, it, of my own advice and then turn it over to each of them. So they will be speaking in this order. First, Professor Hellman, who's closest to me. Uh, She teaches contracts, constitutional law, classes related to the theory of equal protection, the relationship between money and rights. She uh, is a philosopher by training. And her work largely focuses on discrimination and equality. She's also the faculty advisor to Common Law Grounds. That's Professor Hellman. Next to Professor Hellman is Professor Geis. Some of you may have him because he's teaching a fall semester contracts class. Uh, He teaches contracts, corporations, agency and partnership, uh, and corporate finance. Professor Geis is the faculty advisor for the JDMA dual degree program, and he's also deeply involved with the law and business program. And then uh, finally last but not least Professor Shin is an alumna of this law school so she has sat where you are sitting uh, and made the decisions that you are about to make. She uh, spent some time after law school uh, working at the Legal aid Justice Center in their just children program and then was a clinical professor at William and Mary before coming here uh, just this fall to uh, run our law and public service program and she's teaching courses in that program as well as additional courses uh, so, You can see from their backgrounds and their roles in this institution that they have uh, probably different kinds of things to say. So we'll see. They were not pre-vetted. I have no idea what they're going to say to you. Uh, One thing one can imagine, though, is that they will likely give you conflicting advice. So my first piece of advice is one that I gave you all on uh, the pre-orientation Friday before you began taking classes. know thyself. right? So think about who is giving you advice. Think about who you are. Not everyone's advice is going to work for all of you. So the most important thing to know before accepting a piece of advice is who you are uh, and to honor your own perspective, your own goals in being in law school, your own interests and hopes and dreams. Uh, If your goals are to do the law and business program, Make sure you're taking the basics. Uh, If you have a sense that you're going into criminal law or criminal justice, make sure you're taking some basics. right? So if you have a clear path, and I say that not to stress out those of you who don't, because many of you don't, and even for those of you who think you do, it will change. Uh, But if you think you do, set the table for yourself now. right? You don't want uh, to look back. And we all do look back and say, I should have taken X or Y. But to the extent that you can predict, try to take uh, the requisite course for whatever path you're going to go down. And that might mean do a little research right now. right? So if you have even the tiniest inkling that the JD MBA might be for you, or the JD master's in legal history, or uh, some other program, or a clinic that might have prerequisites, look around. See what the prerequisites are. See when you have to do things so that you actually feel like you've made some decisions knowingly. Even if they don't turn out to be the right ones, even if you missed a class that you would have liked to have taken, um, if you had a thought in your head, one day I might like to do this, now's the time go to the webpage. page low cost, see what it's all about, and see whether you want to do it. Uh, If you think you're going to be headed toward litigation, take a litigation uh, basic course to get you started. And I I guess, so the the first piece of advice is, know yourself, know whether you are headed in a particular direction or you're not, and either of those is totally fine, but if you're heading in that direction, know what it takes to get there. Uh, The second piece of advice I would give is plan But not too much. So even if you think you know where you're headed, it is likely the case. I'm sorry to say, not maybe likely the case. But it is possible that you don't or that it will change. So I was talking uh, to an alum in Raleigh, Durham, who is a family lawyer. She uh, said she took trial advocacy on a lark. It was not anything she ever planned to do. She carries her trial ad book from law school. She's now 15 years out of law school. She carries her trial ad book from law school with her every day to court. It is her Bible. Right, And that was a lark. She didn't take it because she thought she was headed in any particular direction. And no matter where your career takes you in the law or outside of the law, the skills that you learn here in whatever course you take are going to be useful to you. So I don't think you want to overthink the planning too much. So the place where I would say I have the most concrete thing to say, because know thyself and plan but not too much may be frustrating to the type A personalities of folks like me who go to law school. Uh, So here's the most concrete thing I have to say. And I've said it before, but I'm going to say it here as you plan for your courses. There are, in my view, three kinds of courses that the law school offers. And as you think about your full three-year law school career, I think you want to make sure that you are taking each type at least some of the time. And I don't think they have to be equally balanced. In fact, I'm pretty sure they won't be. Uh, and I don't think the mix of which kinds of courses you're taking will be the same for every person. See, um, see Supra, know thyself. Uh, but the three types of courses are the following. one the doctrinal black letter classes. Those are the classes you're taking now. They're property and constitutional law in the spring. uh, And they are all kinds. They are corporations. They are tax, right? The basic fundamental black letter law courses. You want to be taking those. Those are where you're going to learn how to think like a lawyer. But beyond those, we have two other kinds of courses. The second type of courses we have are skills or experiential courses. These are clinics. They are simulations classes. They are negotiations classes. They are skills classes, advanced legal research and writing, I would put in that category. I would put trial ad, public speaking, uh, as well as the 20 different clinical opportunities that we offer at the law school. Um, So you want to make sure because you have to, because the ABA requires it. And many of the bars that you're going to be studying for require it. But I think beyond the requirements, these are really useful to get the practical experience you need to hit the ground running in your first job. And then the third kind of uh, course that I think it's important to uh, uh, think about and take some of are those in perspectives external to the law. They could be economics. They could be philosophy. They could be history. It could be accounting. uh, It could be you know courses on main grounds, Uh, there are all kinds of things outside of the technical training and the thinking like a lawyer that you will do uh, all the time that will give you a broader perspective on the black letter courses that you're taking, on the experiential uh, opportunities you're taking advantage of. uh, And I think those two are really important. So when I think about it, I'm not saying you should take all that this spring. right? You only have two electives this spring. But I do think that this spring gives you the first opportunity to start thinking about your whole career. And these are the ways I would think about it. Which of those courses, types of courses, am I going to delve into now? Which am I going to save for later? And how will I think about them later? Overall, I think your education is holistic. It is one large experience. You're learning the law. You're learning how to think about the law. But you're also learning judgment, integrity, perspective, empathy. Those are often the things that you'll get from these both external perspectives and from your experiential learning. Uh, And I would say, especially there, uh, the various clinical opportunities that we have. So remember, after this spring, you have four more choices, four more opportunities to choose classes. Um, We have so many fabulous classes, which I think you already feel that you're in. Um, But I think it's hard to make a mistake. So the last piece of advice I would leave you with is don't let it stress you out too much. Uh, Okay, you'll note, I didn't say not at all. That's not realistic. But don't let it stress you out too much. There are lots of opportunities, uh, and, uh, and they are all good. So enjoy, and I will now turn it over to Professor Hellman. Oh, can I say one last thing? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and after everybody does a spiel, we'll open it up for
1: questions. So there'll be a, a dialogue. So I just wanted to yeah, make yeah. Sure I look forward to the spiel part. And... Um what I think is interesting, I already am having fun listening to Dean Goluboff's advice and thinking about the ways that mine is similar but also different. She said you're going to hear different advice and know who it's coming from, know thyself. But I actually think it's also interesting to think about what the overlap between the advice that each of us gives, because I have no idea what the others are going to say. And maybe that's meaningful if there's one theme that comes up in all four of the, the talks. Um, I'm, I can't remember what sections I have in the spring, but I'm going to have some of you too. I have two sections of constitutional law, and you know I look forward to seeing you. Okay, so my my uh, advice, um, I've divided it into kind of three parts too, and I would say the first one is career exploration or development as the first. The second courses that you want to take to prepare yourself to be a lawyer citizen. And third, this is your last chance for most of you, I think, to have, not not in the spring, but in law school, is your last chance at a formal educational opportunity. I hope you'll be learning throughout your career, but it's your last time to be in school for most of you, and so you want to take advantage of that. Okay, so I'm going to talk about each of those. So the first is career exploration or development. And I'm putting it that way, exploration or development, as Dean Goluboff said, some of you know what you want to do, and some of you have no idea what you want to do, and you're trying to figure it out. Um, So this is your opportunity both to pursue what you think you want to do, and it's your opportunity to. Try to figure out what you might want to do by taking courses. So this part I would divide in in two ways that I think mirrors something some parts of what Dean Galuyevoff said. That is something about subject matter and something about skills. So the subject matter, obviously, what that is depends on what your interests are. If you haven't idea about that already. You'll want to take courses in that. And if you don't know what that is, you'll want to start trying to figure that out by taking a bunch of courses that might be what you want to do. Maybe you want to have, not necessarily maybe this spring, but partly in the spring and partly in the fall, pick three different areas that you think are ones that you might want to pursue to try to get a better idea of that. even if you think you know, it's often taking a course that shows you what you what you want to that shows you if you think you know what you want to do that shows you what you don't want to do. I've heard from many students often over lunches, oh, I thought I wanted to do X. Then I took a course in it, and I hated it. Um, I don't want to say what X is, because I don't want to turn anybody off of anything. But it could happen with anything. So you're going to take different subject area courses to give you a better idea of what you want to do, to solidify your idea of what you want to do, or to try to figure that out. Then there's the skills part. And like Dean Golubuff, I think you ought to take things in that area. The clinical, which we'll hear more about, is. Um Obviously, a big part of that, the clinical offerings and other skills-related courses like oral advocacy. But something I'd add to that are writing classes in general. And they don't have to be writing classes where you're doing legal writing. They really could be any writing classes. They could be seminars or anything that's going to give you an opportunity to do a substantial amount of writing. Lawyers most lawyers write an enormous amount. And even if it's a paper that you're doing in connection with a seminar that doesn't seem like legal writing at all, it seems more academic, what you're doing is learning how to make and defend an argument. And that's a lot of what lawyers do as well. So I would say, make sure on the skills side that you look for opportunities to write. Um, Okay, so those are my subject, um, subject area kinds of ways of thinking about it. You're going to explore what you might want to do. Excuse me, that's your my career exploration side of it, a clear exploration of, and development. You're going to take subject area courses, and you're going to take skills courses. And don't forget about writing as an additional part of skills courses. So the second way I think about course selection is developing yourself as a citizen lawyer. What should you take as being someone who is a, a lawyer citizen? And the first thing I'd put in this box is something you can't take this spring, but I think you should take. That is our first year con law class. And maybe I say this because I love con law, and I want to make sure you have more con law. But your first year con law class won't cover the First Amendment. And I think as someone coming out of law school, you should know something about the First Amendment. So we have upper level courses in both speech and religion. I personally think you should take one of them. Um, You don't have to do speech and religion, but acquaint yourself with uh, the First Amendment. Um, Secondly, I think you should take, I put income tax, the basic income tax. And based on my background, you might not think that's something I would put there. But think about what's happening on Capitol Hill right now when we're talking about the possible um, changes to the tax code. We do so much social policy through taxation, that I think it's really important for every lawyer, every citizen lawyer, not just people who want to do something related to tax, to take a tax class, a basic tax class. I think it's much more of a social policy class than you might realize. Um, I think you should take the third part of being a lawyer citizen is I think you should take something related to poor people. Most of us uh, in law school and certainly coming out of law school are going to end up on the not maybe in the top 1%, but in the upper end of the income distribution. And especially if you're not someone who grew up poor, we live in an increasingly divided society. And I think as a lawyer citizen, you should acquaint yourself with the ways in which our legal system interacts with poor people. And there are lots of opportunities to do that. There are lots of ways you could fulfill that. But I think you should do that as a lawyer citizen. I took a quick glance with Jason's help, because I couldn't find them initially on the on the web page. Just the the list of courses. That's just my problem. I'm not good with that. Um, uh, just things that, that struck me that way. And here's the additional list I put in there. Administrative law, environmental law, family law, immigration law, international law. That's obviously not a complete list in addition to what I said, but things that... I think are important as for you as a graduate, as a lawyer citizen. Administrative law, because it's so much of our law today. Environmental law, it's one of the, the, the biggest sort of um, uh, public policy issues we face. Family law, we're all in families, and it's a, a big part of the way that the law interacts with people. Immigration law, again, another big public policy debate. International law. Because we don't want to be parochial in our vision of the way that the law affects uh, people. Okay, um, the last thing I have the least to say about, and that is the idea that this is probably your last chance for a formal educational opportunity. Law school is so. Take what you like. Take what strikes your fancy. I think one of the boxes that you should think about is I should save some courses to just take something because I think it sounds interesting. Um, don't worry about it being practical. It's OK to have some courses that you pick just because they sound exciting and fun and interesting. And you don't know why you're taking it. You know, There's no particular career purpose it serves, but it interests you. This, because this is probably your last opportunity in law school, is your last opportunity to do that, I think you should take it. And maybe that's the kind of philosophy person in me. But I want to remind you when you think about that, we have great things you can take here at the law school that would fit in that category, but we also have the rest of the university. So don't limit yourself to what's here at the law school. Feel free to take something on main grounds that fits in that category. Okay.
2: Let me um, uh, let me try to uh, provoke the discussion by introducing some controversy. Uh, immediately, you're offering advice that's a little different than than what you just heard. Um, when I was in law school, uh, I took a class called the Law of Ancient Mesopotamia, and it was a wonderful class. It was really interesting. It was a great uh, professor that came over, and we got to you know look at um, cuneiform, you know, language, and look at the law. Um, my advice to you is whatever you do, do not take the law of ancient Mesopotamia as your first year elective, right? That's not, I think, the type of class you want to be um, taking. I agree with what Professor Hellman said that you should take some courses um, over the longer term that relate to your area of interest or just sound kind of like neat classes to take. I think that's a good thing to do, but I think you want to be thoughtful about when you're taking those classes, and I, and I want to distinguish sort of the short term. What are you thinking about taking as a spring elective? As a 1L from the longer term, what do you think about taking over the next um, two, two and a half, three years? I think that you are lucky, in some ways, to have a long list of classes to choose from. And there's lots of things, even in the short term, that you can optimize on when you're trying to decide what classes should I be taking as my electives. You know, Who's the professor that's teaching the class? What's the subject matter of the course? When is the class actually being offered? Where is it being offered? Do I get one of those comfy air on chairs, or do I have to sit in one of those you know, chairs that aren't so good? Um, I think that law school is going to go by really fast. And so I would urge you to prioritize courses based on the professor and based on the subject matter, and much less so on whether you can get four-day weekends. Um, I would also urge you, speaking to some of the advice that um, you heard already, to think about what's your rhythm of learning. I think that the courses that are going to be exciting to you right now are not necessarily going to be the ones that are going to be exciting to you in two or three years, and you should try to think about how you time the classes that you take when they are particularly exciting for you to take them. Um, I would go into the bookstore and pull down the books and think, is this something that I really want to be taking? Because in my experience, there really is a rhythm to learning, and I think it's important to take the classes that you're excited about right when you're excited to take them. So let me divide my advice into um, the short term and the long term. Right now, I suspect that many of you, while interested in the longer term, are really focused on what classes should I take as my elective. Um, And I just want to offer four quick um, thoughts on that. One, take a class with obvious practical relevance. Don't take the law of ancient Mesopotamia, at least not now. Take something that you know you think will have obvious practical relevance, both for you and both so you have something like that on your transcript as you go into recruiting for the, uh, for the 2L season. Second, play to your strength by taking a class that you think you're going to be able to do well in. If you're a numerically oriented person, take a class like tax or accounting finance or something that lends itself to um, those of you that have facility with numbers. If you hate numbers, Maybe don't take a class like that, at least not right away. Not necessarily advising you to shy away from it forever, but what you take as your spring elective, I think, is important. And you want to set yourself up to, do something you can, to take something that you can do well in. Third, don't put off critical foundational classes too long. You really want to give, I think, some good thought to taking a class like accounting finance, or corporations, or evidence, or something that's going to be a foundational class. Because um, if you wait to do it, it's just going to leave you less time and less semesters to take the deeper classes in the area that you really want to focus on, which which are important, both for fleshing out what you really want to do and for getting some of that substantive knowledge that I think is important. And then finally, Talk to your current professors. If you have some options that you're toying with and you're not really sure whether you want to take Professor X or Professor Y or Course X or Course Y, I really would recommend that you'd go to your office hours of your professors and just say, hey, I'm thinking about this versus that. What do you think makes the most sense? Um, I think getting specific advice on a specific array of options um, can can be really important. And this is a good vehicle for you to actually have some interesting conversations with your professors about what you might be interested in doing and how the coursework that you take might be able to support that. Over the longer term, I think it's fair to make different choices about breadth versus depth. And I think it's fair to take classes that are really different than classes that your friends are taking. I don't think I would prioritize that very high either. What your friend likes to take may not be the same thing that you want to take. Um, I actually would agree with a lot of the advice we've heard already on what a rich legal education would look like. I think it's going to have a lot of the different elements of diverse classes that, um, that we've heard about already. Um, I would just echo that, or I would just add to that I think it's also nice to be able to take a class that relates in some way to an international law or in an international legal aspect. I think having a perspective from outside the US on how we do law in the US um, is important. And I think it's helpful and hard to see that um, unless you actually look at how the legal system works in at least some area in a different part of the world. And I think that can be a, a valuable perspective to gain as well. Um, I also think it's important to consider taking multiple classes from an instructor that you really like. Um, I know on the other side of the podium, it's really um, fun and helpful for me to be able to have the same student in more than one class. Um, And I think if you have someone that you really enjoy taking a class with, the second or third time that you take the class with them, you can, you know, start off already on a stronger relationship and really set up a nice foundation for getting letters of recommendation or just really getting to work with them on an independent study project. And so if there's someone that you really like and you have a good opportunity to take another class with them, I'd say, you know, go for it as, as, as soon as you can. Um, I want to spend just one more minute or two talking about law and business courses, because, as Dean Goluboff said, that's sort of my area of expertise. Um, And I want to just say a word about how you might think about those classes if you really are interested in the intersection of law and business. First thing to think about, um, it's not too late to consider doing a dual degree in the JD-MBA. Um, The way the degree works, as many of you know, is it's a four-year program. You basically save a year. You get both advanced degrees at once. Um, Historically, to do the degree, you would have had to apply right now and then matriculate over to Darden for your second year and then do your third and fourth year back and forth. We've recently changed the program so that you can now apply during your second year. And so you don't have to feel like you have to get everything together immediately to get your application in. Um, but if you really are focused and interested in learning more about law and business, um, I think that might be something you'd want to consider. And you could certainly come talk to me more about it if you'd like. However, Many of you, or some of you, may not feel that you want to or can afford to dedicate a fourth year to your graduate studies. Um, and fortunately, um, even if you're interested in the law and business area, we have a ton of classes here that we offer at the law school that are focused in this direct area. And so you have a lot of different types of courses to choose from. Um, the way I might think about dividing up the courses in the law and business area um, are into three different groups. First, there is an array of classes that we might call business methods or business skills classes that are similar to the exact type of classes that you would take if you were taking a course over at a business school. So this is what our accounting and corporate finance class looks like. We have other classes in uh, strategy or leadership or things like that that are really similar to the type of class that you might take if you're going to business school. You just could take them here at the law school if that's what you choose to do. The second type of business law classes are what we might call the core foundational classes. Um, I think it'd be hard to, um, to, to take a course of study in business law without taking a course in corporations. That's probably the key foundational class. But there's a lot of classes beyond that that are, that are pretty important and relevant to, to take if you want to um, dig in on this area. It might depend on whether you think you want to do litigation in the business law area or transactional work in the business law area. Both are open. Or even regulatory compliance work. In the business law area, I think it covers all all three of those different types of class uh, of, of activity areas. Um, but I think that you probably want to try to get a corporations class pretty soon. Beyond that, as you look to the next you know few semesters, I think um, you want to try to look for courses like securities regulation, maybe the law version of corporate finance, income tax, and then you can dig into other courses like bankruptcy and antitrust and things like that as well. One important thing to note, if you haven't um, looked at our law and business uh, website already, you should just be aware that there are different types of sections for some of our different core business law classes. So corporations, for example, has a law and business version of the class and a regular version of the class. You can still take the regular version of corporations and still be a part of our law and business program, but if you really want to dig in a little bit more to some of the transactional elements that that are raised in the class or some of the business motivations for what motivates the law in the class, you might consider taking our law and business version of corporations or securities regulation or some of the other courses. Finally, we have a whole array of more advanced offerings. And these are probably courses you'll um, look to take more during your third year, if you really do like um, uh, classwork in this area. Um, but we have a number of different uh, seminars. We have. Um, practical classes on transactional drafting and we have a whole host of short courses where we have outside instructors that will come in for a couple weeks at a time and they'll dig very deeply into a specific topic something that you probably wouldn't have exposure to in any other type of a class and I really would keep your eyes open for courses like that they're really a, a great array of topics um, we just finished one on uh, what do board of directors really do and we had one of our um, graduate who's been, in, who's been involved in many, many different boards, and he actually came in and took students through a short course, talking about what actually happens in the boardroom. What are the types of decisions that are made? How does the process work? I think having experience like that can be really valuable, especially as we continue to hear from um, our uh, 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 lawyers and other people that are hiring our students that um, attorneys really do need to have um, more domain knowledge in the specific business area. And so if you really do like these types of courses, you might have an eye for some of those advanced classes as well. One final note on scheduling and sequencing. If you do think you might want to do something in this area and your schedule permits, then I really would encourage you to consider taking the accounting finance sequence in the spring as the core foundational class. If you already have experience in that area, don't take the class. Disregard the advice, you've waived out of it, you're eligible to take whatever else you want. But if you haven't had an accounting and finance class at all, then this course is designed for you. It's gonna give you some experience in the basic language of business. And the reason I think you might wanna consider taking it as a spring elective is it's gonna be a prerequisite to then taking the law and business version of corporations or any other you know, law and business classes. And if you wait and you don't take it in the spring, then you would need to take that class in the fall and then corporations in the spring then that then leads you uh, less time to take some of these other courses in this area. So in any event, good luck with your classes. Um, Again, ask your professors. And I think all of us will be happy to stick around a bit afterwards if you have more specific questions.
3: Thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. So I think my advice is pretty similar, so I'll try to keep it short. I would also like to break down my advice in the short term and in the long term. So as you're selecting your spring elective courses, My perspective is you should take classes that you're really interested in or you're really passionate about. The 1L curriculum is packed with required courses, and I think it helps balance out your 1L year a bit to have elective classes that you are really interested in. Uh, Going forward, as you select courses during your 2L and 3L year, I would suggest a mixture of classes you're really passionate about. Uh, Classes that will uh, give you the foundational black letter law training um, that most of us should have, that all of us should have as attorneys, and uh, maybe a couple of classes that will help you in your bar studies. So, for what it's worth, I came to law school knowing that I wanted to represent indigent youth in some capacity. So, I took courses that I was very interested in, like a children in the law class, uh, a special education law class, the criminal defense clinic, because these were classes that I was passionate about that I knew would assist me in my future career as a legal aid attorney. Uh, But I also took courses that I felt like I should have background, foundational knowledge in, even though I knew I would never practice in that area of law, like corporations. I took corporations with Professor Geis. It was a great class. Now I know about different corporations, and I was more prepared to take the bar. Um, And then I think it's helpful to take maybe a couple of courses that will help you in your bar studies. So one specific advice I have is if you know that you are practicing in Virginia, you know you're going to take the Virginia bar, I strongly recommend the Virginia practice and procedure course, it's immensely helpful and it will make your bar studies a little bit easier. Um, I also uh, posted a poll on your behalf on Facebook, and I asked some of uh, our UVA alums what advice they have for you. And overwhelmingly, um, my uh, classmates said that they would uh, recommend picking courses based on professors. And they mentioned that good professors make any subject matter interesting. So that might be a factor that you consider. Uh, I also want to put in a plug for clinics. We have 18 clinics at this law school in almost every single subject area that you can think of. And clinics will provide you a unique opportunity to be able to practice law under the very close supervision of a clinical professor or supervising an attorney. On the first day of every class, um, when I was teaching at William and Mary, when I was a clinical professor, I uh, said to my students, "You have this amazing opportunity to represent clients, draft actual work product, interview clients, advise clients, prepare for court, appear in court, um, discuss issues with opposing counsel and guardians ad litem with a safety net because you're practicing on my bar license. So we're going to be working very closely together, and I'm not going to let you make any big mistakes. So I think that um You should consider taking a clinic or a second or third year. I think that it will provide valuable, substantive, and practical training for you as future lawyers. Um, And I also think that law school clinics provide a great opportunity for our law students to uh, represent indigent, marginalized, and vulnerable community members. Um, And I also think that it's important for law schools to help close that access to justice gap. So uh, those are my thoughts. We'd be happy to answer any questions.
0: Questions? The floor is open.
4: Go ahead. So you have to take between five and seven. You've got nine already scheduled, Mm -hmm. and you have to get to at least 14, but you did not need to take them when you're 16. Anything, just so you know, and you're allowed to take j term classes, but they will not count for your uh, fourteen. season. Thank Do you all know about j term classes?
0: Okay.
4: Uh, And we're getting, I don't know, some of you, I'll put a plug in for the Q&A next week. There's two of them. We'll talk all about the logistics of how you're going to do the advice that they're putting into effect the advice they're giving. But um, I'm happy to answer any questions you have about those logistics anytime, but next week. uh, Other questions? Would you recommend for or against short courses uh, in our well spread?
2: I think that. Uh, unless there's something that you really, really are excited about that you probably want to wait on many short courses until you have a little more uh, context for taking the class. I mean, you can look at and see whether there's a prereq and if there's not a prereq and you know it's available and it's really exciting to you, then I wouldn't necessarily shy away from it. Um, the, lo- the logistics of a short course though could just be relatively compressed, right? And so cramming two weeks where you have class every single day can sometimes be difficult when you're trying to keep up with property and con law, which are, which are pretty meaty classes, by the way. So, um, you know, we tend to offer many of our short courses, um, you know, several years in a row. So, you know, not, you know, no guarantees, but, it, but unless you really see something that you, you don't want to miss at all, um, I might consider waiting a little bit on that.
0: Other questions?
1: So um, do I need the microphone? So there are other courses that involve writing. I've taught, for example, um, advanced con law classes. Uh, I did one on uh, the law and theory of equal protection, and I did one on money and and constitutional rights, where I had a writing prompt each week, and the students had to pick, I think, six of the weeks to write a paper. Um, I know Professor Schauer's jurisprudence course works something like that. I don't know if it's exactly like that. Um, So I think it's, you know, all the seminars involve some writing, but I think there are some other upper level courses that involve writing too.
0: And it will say if you look at the course description, it will say what the, uh, whether it's an exam course or or a paper course, and and what the nature of the requirements are. Um, the other thing to keep in mind, which I don't I don't recommend for your electives now, um, but to keep in mind for later, are um, independent studies. You can do independent research with faculty members and uh, and write papers with them. Uh, I, I would think that in the spring it's a little premature to do that, but once you have more uh, law under your belt, that's that's all also, a great way to get to know a faculty member really well and pursue uh, a specific research interest that you might have. Any other questions?
4: Put a question out there. They might be thinking about: uh, Is it important to emphasize a, a path, a concentration, uh, for a prospective employer for OGI in the fall?
1: I don't feel highly knowledgeable about that, but my anecdotal sense is no but but I, but I wouldn't say I'm highly knowledgeable about that
2: I mean I, I, I think that um, many of our first year students uh, put a real heightened emphasis on what exactly am I signaling with the courses I choose for the spring and why and um, I don't think that's a waste of your time to think about what are you saying on your on your on your transcript when you go into your fall twelve recruiting. I mean, again, this relates back to my, you know, I really want to be an um, an antitrust lawyer, and they're like, well, why would you take the law of ancient Mesopotamia, right? I mean, I think that's not that that's not something that you want to get yourself in a situation for. So I think you want to do courses that um, are are logical ones. Um, you know, if, if you, uh, you know, that, that being said, I think there's lots of different ways to signal. And I think you can also signal by the courses you choose for your fall semester classes as you go into your, your 2L recruiting. And so um, if you don't get into the one class that you feel like is going to, you know, send the bed, best signal for your area of interest, I wouldn't despair, right? I mean, I just would take something um, useful. Uh, PR is a class that I think some first-year students like to get out of the way. It's a, it's a requirement. They might as well consider, you know, doing it and just having it, it be done with. Um, um, but I think it can be a class that, you know, even if you want to be a transactional lawyer, um, evidence is a good class to round out or, um, you know, in, in anything that you think is just a, a basic, you know, we, we've heard it before, kind of a, a bread and butter or a meat and potatoes class that you're not going to be embarrassed to defend as a course that you took to your, your 12 recruiter. Um, that's maybe the way I would think about it.
1: Just about the PR, because I, just to offer a different perspective on that, actually, a lot of students do take PR. I've been struck by that. And I think they do it because they don't know what to take. And so they think, well, I know I have to take PR, so I might as well get it. And I used to teach PR. I haven't recently. But I think it's a better class to take when you've had some legal experience. So I personally think that it's not a good course to take in the first year. Because when you've had some experience practicing law, the what you're studying in PR makes a lot more sense um, and is more relevant feeling. Um, The other thing is, don't be be afraid of the fact that you don't know what you want to do. The way you're going to figure that out is by taking some course that might be one of the things that you want to do. So I would say, not ancient Mesopotamia, but take some subject area class that's in an area that you think you might be interested in, and that will help you to figure it out.
3: The only thing I'll add is, according to my Facebook post, many alums also agree that it's okay to pursue areas of interest, but not to pursue it so single-mindedly. For example, my husband graduated from the law school the same time as I did and thought he was going to be an antitrust lawyer. He selected his courses based on that. He made his summer law firm decisions based on that, and we ended up at his big law firm in D.C. after graduation. He was put in the corporate group, and one thing he mentioned to me is, I wish I had taken corporations, so it's okay to, Uh, explore and pursue areas of interest or concentration but not to pursue it so single-mindedly.
0: I would add something else along the lines of know thyself. So obviously, you want to be thinking, uh, you know, about the signals you're giving to prospective employers in the future. Um, but you also need to, and of course, you know, um, Professor Geis mentioned this, right? You want to put your best foot forward. Um, we we do live in a system that, if I were making the system from scratch, it wouldn't be this system where first year grades play an outsized role. And I think that's really unfortunate. And so I understand thinking about grades to extent as you think about your um, your 1l spring classes I hope not too much and I hope you don't give that pride of place but um, I understand that it's out there but the other piece I would put in that is you're not going to excel in a course uh, and it's not going to be a great signal to uh, a future employer if you really hate it and you're really unhappy and you don't want to do the work and you know you don't end up doing well and so you should know how have I you know ask yourself how have I been experiencing the courses I'm taking you know am I at a place where I just have to take a class that's right in the wheelhouse of why I came here and I feel like... The classes I've been taking aren't that, and I I now need to go reestablish for myself what that looks like, or uh, or is it that I've been loving these really you know common law doctrinal classes, and I'm ready for more, and you know so to ask yourself uh, you know what is going to enable me to excel and thrive in the spring, and I do think the answer to that question will be different for lots of you, you know different from one another, and uh, and that you uh, and and that even if If there are lots of strategic questions that need to be asked, you have to answer them for you. Uh, And that means uh, knowing where your own head is and knowing what is going to enable you to succeed the most uh, this spring. What classes fall into the
1: category of bread and butter law? Uh, So I'll take a, everyone can. I'm going to say evidence. uh, administrative law, tax, um, international. international. Yeah, that's what it, international law, family law. You're right. Those, those are the. I, I think there's probably other. I think international. I think we are all agreeing that international is an important component to have. I think so much law is administrative. I think that's a kind of a the. The building block for a lot of other areas so i would put administrative law there um i guess you know there's so many things that could be bread and butter you know uh,
0: so you'll know most of those are sort of public law courses and i think uh, professor nice <laughs> is going to offer the bread and butter more private
1: maybe
2: yeah i mean i don't think you're going to get a definitive answer i i think you know by, by bread and butter what i generally mean is um, classes that would, if you were to pull a number of students and professors would be ones that they'd say, well, this isn't a required course, but it basically should be a required course. So maybe I have more of a narrow definition of a of, of bread and butter, but I, w- I would think something like evidence or corporations or maybe the, the intro tax um, you know, maybe admin law. I mean, my, my concept of bread and butter is, is probably a little bit narrower. I think you could go out a little bit, and there's a whole lot of classes that would be really off the good ones to take. But they are not that critical that you're going to be remiss in in, in missing something that should have perhaps been a, a required class if we were stricter about, you know, asking you to take specific courses.
0: I would add a criminal procedure class to to the, the broader Category, I think. Uh, I think that's an important thing to know. If we see that a class is full, do you think that emailing the professor
4: would help, or are the caps pretty strict? <laughs> it doesn't hurt. Uh, you know, we have to balance out the curriculum. You know, spread people around. Um, it certainly doesn't hurt. So the professor knows yeah. they're going to see a waitlist develop. So you definitely should put yourself on the waitlist when the ad drop happens instead. But that said, it doesn't automatically. The professor doesn't just get to say, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." I'm just going to increase the size, especially for things like seminars. They want to keep it intimate. But with lectures, I mean, I want to. We want to help as many people as we can get into class without torpedoing enrollment in other classes. So there's a balance there. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't hurt to let them know. Hey, I'm interested. that said, they can't handpick a student and say, "Oh, I want her to get into my class." We're
3: not going to be drawing you over people on the way. No? Yes. I've heard mixed things about taking courses like evidence or Corporation before 3L because they're bar classes, and other people saying take them one L spring. What are your opinions on courses like that?
2: Are there any that we should just wait until we're getting ready to take it Um, I think you'll get some different opinions among our faculty on how important. Um, the subject nature of the bar exam is in your course um, consideration. Um, I actually think it's really unimportant. I would I would not worry a lot about what's being on the bar exam, because I think you're going to have an opportunity to study for the bar exam during that summer right before you take it. And I think if you take the bar prep class, you'll do great. Right. I, d- I don't think you need to rely a lot on um, what you're taking during law school in order to do relatively well in the bar, but I, I acknowledge that um, people will really disagree with that. And so you know there's a difference of opinion there. I just think that with evidence and corporations and classes like that, um, they're prereqs to a lot of other classes that you're probably going to want to take. And so those would be examples of classes where I think you might want to try to take them earlier, just because they're going to be foundational prereqs that are going to be required to get into some of the more advanced classes. Now, of course, like agency and partnership, right? That might not, it's a good class, by the way, but that might not be something that you necessarily would feel compelled to take really Early, but if you did think that having just another look at something is going to help me prep for the bar exam, that could be a class that you might consider waiting until your your third year to take, because many bars do test pretty extensively on agency and partnership. I would add one thing about
4: the you know the third year practice certificate. Uh, If you want to do a clinic that needs a third year practice certificate, you're going to need evidence. PR, PR and evidence are things you got to take for the third year practice. Now every clinic doesn't need a third year practice certificate, but there are several of them.
0: Is there another question over here?
3: If you put a class on your thing um, that ends up being full cool by the time it gets to you, does it just skip over that, or did you like waste one of your lottery?
4: You do, not, you do not waste it, and we'll talk about that next week. Doing it, but the short answer is no, did not. It just skips over. Goodbye. How do you a balance like pros and of a class or? different classes that have the difference between uh, three credit and four credit, meaning the exact same subject area, like evidence of a three, four credit, like the pros and cons of which ones. Especially with our credit requirements, we're going to have to take two classes no matter what the credit amount is. It does.
0: I I don't know if if Dean Dugas would disagree with this, but my general instinct would be: I don't think you need to overload your spring. Uh, So um, you know, if 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 you end up with the five credits or the six credits rather than seven, I don't think you should be thinking I need a three credit class and a four credit class. Um, It's a lot: property and con law, uh, art pretty heavy course load classes uh, and you've still got legal research and writing so um, uh, you know and this is all pretty new so I wouldn't feel compelled to go to the seven and you know by taking the four credit uh, you know my sense of the difference between the four and the three credit are you're gonna have a deeper dive right there's going to be more coverage so if there is a class that you are really interested in that you really do think this is somewhere you're headed you might want the four credit option for that class um, but I don't think it has to be there are also the criminal procedure classes where there's one, four-credit survey. So if you're not that interested, but you'd like a fair bit, you could do the one, four-credit survey, as opposed to taking the series of two, three-credit criminal procedure classes, which would leave you with six credits of criminal procedure. Um, you could do the one, four-credit. Or you could do one of the one, three-credits and not the other. But um, but but I would say it depends on, on how deep a dive. Although the only thing I would say that goes the other direction, and then we'll see if other people have other views, is um, sometimes it's easier to learn when you're meeting every day, you know, there, or, or, you know, three days a week as opposed to two days a week, and you keep it in your head better and you're more immersed in it and, uh, and it's going to stick more. So I'm not saying don't take a four credit class, but, uh, but I, I wouldn't think of the spring as the time to overload on the credits and, and go for the heavy credits, uh, you know, just on principle.
3: Right,
0: last question in the back.
1: <laughs> <dad is> <laughs> so, I mean, those are those are difficult questions that, in a way, you have to answer for yourself. I mean, we can tell you that practically it is true, lamentably so, but that the first year grades have an outside's influence. I think we all regret that, um, and we don't want to lie to you about that. That's the truth. But I also think that life is about so much else than your GPA, and I hope that you can take that perspective. And so, I would not overdo the emphasis on that. Um, You know, I think if you have not been happy with how you've been doing, well, we don't know yet, so, yeah, so you can't take that into consideration. Passing it on to someone else.
2: You know, I'm not sure there's always gonna be necessarily a difference, right? I mean, I think it's difficult to predict at the outset which types of classes are necessarily going to be the ones that you're going to be able to ace. I don't think anybody can say with that with certainty. And so, um, you know, I, I, I do think you want to be careful about perhaps waiting on a course that's has a reputation for being a really difficult and challenging class. And again, I don't want to name specific courses here, but you can talk with your your friends and upperclassmen and, and, and women and ask, right, what courses are really hard ones. Um, and I think, you know, there might be something to that, right? There may be a certain class that you don't necessarily want to jump into right, right during the spring, even if it is a really wonderful class. But I think that still leaves a ton of different classes that um, um, are going to allow you to identify whether something is really of interest to you in a way that probably doesn't put you at risk of, 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 of jeopardizing your grade.
3: Echo all of that and echo what Dean Golibov said earlier that if you're taking a class that you're not interested in but you feel like you have to, or you feel like you took the class for primarily grade reasons, whatever that would be, it would be, I think it's hard to be motivated in a class that you're not interested in. So we're gonna
0: stop and I have one last thing to say, which is um, though we can acknowledge and lament the outsized influence of of, uh, first year grades, I wouldn't overemphasize their influence. Their influence is larger than it should be, but it is not everything. And uh, and I think especially as you come to the end of your first semesters and you're going to be getting grades, um, it's really important to remember that the grades don't define you, uh, and they don't define your career. And you're going to have two more years, uh, two and a half more years after this first semester, but two more years after your first year of grades. And the number of alumni who I could name right off the top of my head, but I won't. Um, who have been wildly successful, who come up to me at alumni events and say, I did so terribly as a law student. Right? You are not your grades. Your career is not your grades. They're especially not your first year grades. And so um, whatever happens uh, in December and January, I just hope you'll remember that. And if you need reminding, let us remind you, um, because you don't want to overdo the influence that your grades will have and the pressure you put on yourself. So I'll just end there. Thank you all, and if you have more questions, we'd be happy to answer them.
4: Thank you.